whatever feeling or vice or habit that you'd like to stop, ask yourself, what need is that serving? It asks us actually to not know ourselves when we begin because the act of discovery in itself needs to start with an unknowing, curious mind. The underlying forces behind physical pain, behind conflict, and behind marginalized experiences are not being heard. And so those experiences most likely will continue because they are there to share a message. Breakdown Wake Up is about discovering the groundbreaking wisdom within our most challenging life stories. I'm Meg Mateer, a psychology nerd turned business consultant and entrepreneur. Join me to hear from leaders about when things in their lives were breaking down and to listen for the wisdom waking up. Along the way, we'll explore fresh perspectives like how distress is a driver of success, not a barrier to it how our personal and professional lives are inherently connected, and how our individual experiences can help solve broader societal challenges. Hey guys, so this is another episode that's solely focused on diving a bit deeper into very important themes and concepts behind this Breakdown Wake Up project in general, but also really relevant to what's going on within our personal lives, our professional lives, and in the the bigger world. So this episode focuses on this concept of transformation. In our society, we're very much using this word transformation. We're using it in organizational change. We're using it in personal transformation. There's a lot of buzz around this term. And for me, transformation really is about dramatic, sustainable change. And this key point is, you know, sustainable change. So change that lasts over time. It becomes a pathway to something new, rather than some sort of temporary attempt to make a change that then returns to its original state. And this concept, I think, is really pertinent, especially in the time that we are living in, where we're undergoing a lot of disruption, a lot of change, and there feels to be this collective need for some sort of transformation. As many of us start to see that in the midst of this pandemic, that social structures, societal structures, organizational structures, the status quo is just not, it's showing its own shortcomings, essentially. So we're looking for that sustainable change, that transformation. And I want to talk about two approaches to making this attempt to transform. One is an approach that we've used often Maybe we've learned it and we've grown up with it. It's this idea of control, of taking the experiences or the ideas or the structures that we don't feel satisfied with and controlling them in order to overcome those experiences or push through them or fight them. It constructs the current situation 
that situation or that experience that we don't desire or that feels a little bit hard as some sort of enemy, some sort of negativity that we then have to, through our own willpower, figure out a way to suppress it. Now, let's take a look at a few examples of this. So from this control approach, here's how we construct physical pain. We talk about things like fighting the disease or being a disease survivor. We talk about taking painkillers, medication that will kill our pain. We construct pain as something to fight, something to push against. Let's look at, look at how we construct our vices or our indulgences, maybe habits that we want to get rid of. We talk about controlling our urges. We talk about saying things like, I have to fight the urge to have a cigarette, or I have to fight the urge to eat a mound of chocolate. Again, fighting that urge. It's another element of control. Now look at how we construct our emotions in this control narrative. We say things like, don't let your emotions get the best of you. Or things like, I will manage my emotions. Or things like, he couldn't contain his anger. Or she couldn't contain her anger. These are all these controlling, suppressive ways of approaching emotions. Now let's take a look at how we construct this concept of conflict in the control narrative. We think about avoiding conflict or being conflict averse. We think about conflict as something that we don't want to have. We want things to be peaceful. We don't want to have conflict. And again, conflict is constructed in this way that the act itself becomes negative or heightened or almost like there would be an explosion in conflict. And finally, let's talk about how we construct marginalized experiences in this control narrative. So marginalized experiences, experiences that people have that sit outside of our sort of social constructed narrative of what what reality is or what our experience is. We say things like, he doesn't have a grip on reality or they're making it up or she doesn't really understand or they're out of their minds. In more extreme examples, we actually pathologize marginalized opinions and experiences in order to control them. Again, painting these experiences as the enemy that we need to fight in order to overcome. So you see each in each of these examples, we start to split. We split those experiences off from ourselves, creating ourselves to be the hero in a very challenging fight against something that's negative or something that we've constructed as negative, something that's evil. We create this 
this feeling of going to battle with ourselves. And what happens when we do this? Well, when we try and control and suppress these experiences, often the underlying need is not being addressed. So the experiences grow stronger. The pain perhaps becomes more extreme, more unbearable. Our urge to smoke or to drink or to indulge in in our vices grows stronger. Our emotional experiences, our strong emotions grow stronger. That conflict, that tension between people or between groups grows stronger. And those marginalized experiences hopefully get louder. What else happens in these situations? We blame ourselves for what's happening. The onus feels very personal. Like, again, I have to go to battle with my own emotions in order to overcome them. I am to blame. We feel disempowered. We feel victim to these negative forces in our lives. Like there's nothing that we can do about them. In a strange way, constructing these experiences like this from a control perspective puts the onus or puts the responsibility on the individual. It takes the individual out of his or her context, out of any of the situational things that are going around that could have influenced or been factors in that experience. And it isolates them and it puts the onus on them. And at the same time, this way of constructing also is this way of giving the responsibility of our own transformation to an outside force that we cannot control. So our pain becomes disease that even though it lives within our body, is something foreign that is taking over us that we have no control over. Our vices or indulgences are sort of evil forces of lust or desire or greediness that we should hold back, that we need to fight. Same thing with emotions, negative emotions, that there's some sort of force that's taking over us that we need to manage. Even though it's happening within us, it's some sort of external feeling or foreign body. And so when we feel that we don't have control over these things, we hand over our personal responsibility and our own empowerment to authority figures, to experts. And that gives us some relief from our own personal responsibility. But it doesn't do anything to help with transformation. You see, when we go to battle with ourselves, we're actually going to battle with the alarm system that is calling out to help us. And so when we suppress these experiences, when we fight them, when we go against them, when we feel opposed to them, we don't listen to them and we don't get any of that deeper need that is arising to transform. That's where the real transformation can come into play. 
So let's take a look at a different approach to these different experiences. Let's look at an approach that instead of fighting, instead of going to battle with some sort of external force that operates within us that's negative, that's against us, that's uncontrollable, that we must control, what if these experiences were challenging but deep sources of insight, indicating new ways, new options to move past a feeling of stuck, a feeling of the default way of operating, to move into real transformation. So this discovery method asks us to be curious, to understand the context of what's going on within those experiences, to discover why, what are the deeper messages and asking what needs to be heard, acknowledged, released, or shifted in order to be transformed. So let's take a look at this discovery approach as it pertains to these different five categories of things that we'd like to transform. Let's talk about physical pain. In the perspective of the discovery modus, we would take a look at physical pain and we would see it as something that is signaling to us that something in our system is not quite right. So we could ask that pain, what is it representing? What in our lives is driving us towards that pain? What is the deeper message? Perhaps pain in your foot is signaling that things are moving too fast and there's no opportunity to slow down. I know for me, I've had stomach problems my whole adult life. And I'm just starting to realize how connected my belly is to my intuition, my emotions, my ability to make decisions, to create healthy boundaries. It's so much more than just physical stomach pain. And it's so much more than creating healthy choices about what I eat. So if we take this discovery method around how we construct our vices or indulgences, we can ask ourselves, what need is this urge, this urge for a cigarette or this urge for loads of food or this urge for alcohol or whatever feeling or vice or habit that you'd like to stop? Ask yourself, what need is that serving? What is the deeper need below that behavior? Maybe there's a need for relaxation or release. Maybe there's a need for connection. When we understand these deeper needs, we can be compassionate towards that vice or indulgence in signaling to us that there's a deeper need that needs to be fulfilled. And then we can get creative about how to support that, how to serve that need. The same thing goes with emotions. When we start to feel really strong emotions, perhaps deep sadness or frustration or anger, and in some case, maybe our moods are impacted, we start to experience anxiety or low energy or maybe very high energy. We can ask ourselves, we can be curious, and we can see these emotions as signals 
for something underneath the surface that needs to take be taken a look at. So in this discovery way, our emotions become another source of wisdom for us to help us shift our decisions and perhaps get out of a default mode that's no longer serving us. The same thing happens with conflict, and this is very important in relations. Conflict is a spark that asks for our attention. It asks us to look at the relational dynamics and see what's off. Where are the needs within this relationship dynamic that need to be supported or served in a better way? So even though conflict may feel disruptive and frustrating when you get into a fight with a loved one or you have this negative feeling towards someone else, it is an opportunity to look at what your deeper need is or what that deeper need of that other party is that's being sparked in this experience of tension, of relational tension. And then that conflict becomes an opportunity to really open and discover what's underneath. And finally, we take this example of marginalized experiences. If we look at this from a discovery model, we can take marginalized experiences and understand what are the messages that these marginalized experiences are trying to tell us about that individual, about his or her context, the wider relational system that they're a part of, but also what bigger messages or themes is it indicating to us as a society? Because the fact that there are marginalized experiences is saying something about how we construct normal and the boundaries of that narrative, those boundaries might be stretched or better understood or disrupted in a positive way. So this is where we move into this transformational piece. So we want sustainable transformation. We want change that lasts, change that we can move and carry forward. If we use this control approach to making change happen, what we typically see is that there's kickback, there's resistance, there's a feeling of tension that can come around that control. Because again, the control is an experience that's suppressing what is and hoping to jump over that in order to achieve something else. It doesn't look at what is. It doesn't ask the questions of what is the deeper message. And so the forces, the underlying forces behind physical pain, behind vices or indulgences, behind emotions, behind conflict, and behind marginalized experiences are not being heard. And so those those experiences most likely will continue because they are there to share a message. They are there to be listened to and there to be heard. Taking a controlled way of managing these experiences will most likely not result in that transformation. They'll result in potentially temporary change or 
some sort of surface level appearing to be a shift, but that deeper transformation is not there. And oftentimes what happens is that change loses momentum. You have inertia. You have, again, resistance or tension around the change because, again, that root has not been addressed. So when we look at transformation, when it comes to a discovery model, the transformation is much more possible because the discovery model asks first, what is that message? What is that need? What is that underlying driver that's perpetuating a physical experience of pain or trying to take care of itself through vices or indulgences, or trying to express itself through emotions or through conflict, that listening to and being with the tension, the resistance, those underlying feelings that are coming up in the midst of organizational change or environmental disruption are so important to listen to. And if we don't listen to them, those organizational change efforts will be a waste of money, a waste of time, and in fact result in, honestly, a drain of energy and a a lack of trust and enthusiasm for that organization or for future change. Changing through a control mechanism that ignores and suppresses It doesn't work. The discovery approach, if it is so much more powerful, why don't we do this? Why don't we take this approach? That's a great question. I think that the discovery approach asks us to go into the unknown. It asks us actually to not know ourselves when we begin because the act of discovery in itself needs to start with an unknowing, curious mind. So giving up that feeling of knowing, giving up that feeling of control is challenging to step into something that's unfamiliar about ourselves, about our relationships, about our organizations. And the discovery approach is not necessarily a linear approach either. The discovery approach by nature is something that unfolds, that asks for time, for patience, that may not feel productive. But when there is trust in the discovery process, transformation, sustainable change, and momentum is totally possible. Change that comes from deep self-compassion rather than a cycle of shame or guilt is totally possible. Relationships that grow through tension and conflict are totally possible. Finding ways to shift out of our vices or indulgences is totally possible. Finding peace and relief from challenging emotions is totally possible. And transforming our society through the stories of marginalized experiences, through the stories and voices of those unheard, is also totally possible. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that it was helpful for you to get some broader context around these two options. This has been a really impactful shift in my own philosophy, so I would love to hear how it impacts you and how you're thinking differently about your own personal life, your professional life, organizational change, or what's going on in our society. So please feel free to reach out to me. I would love to hear from you. And again, if you found this episode helpful, insightful, if this philosophy is really resonating for you, please leave us a review on iTunes so that we can grow the reach of these stories. Thanks again, and I will see you guys next week. If you like what you just heard, please check out our website at www.breakdownwakeup.com. If you subscribe to our mailing list, you'll get weekly updates about episodes and special events. We also have a growing community of people who are getting excited about this concept and sharing their own thoughts and reactions. Finally, if you're trying to discover the underlying wisdom within your own breakdown and need some help, we've designed special programs to help do just that. Thanks again for listening. And remember, when things are breaking down, important wisdom is waking up.